Our best people have not found the rhythm, so. No, they definitely have not. Sheldon Keefe, matter-in-a-fact kind of way, points the finger right at his big guns after a tough loss to Arizona and a 2-2 two and two start to the season. Meanwhile, in Washington, the Canucks make the wrong kind of history, blowing yet another lead. Welcome to Got Your Back, brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. Cross Country Canada provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. They're a truly Canadian company. I love the way this company got started. Four buddies in a garage with nothing but a folding table and an idea. Back in 2014, they've now got multiple locations across Western Canada, over 100 employees, and they've expanded into all areas of the construction industry. Their motto, get her done, it's proudly displayed on the walls there at the head office, and they live by it. Cross Country Canada, truly a Canadian company, and we're very happy to have them on board uh, as our title sponsor. As we check in this morning, we don't have them live and in person. But we do have Pierre Lebrun on the telephone, and that's going to have to suffice for now. Pierre, you'd be happy to know I've selected uh, a wide range of various pictures of you to, to <laughs> represent you. I was nice with some of them and not so much with others. Uh, I, I will go back and check it out uh, when this uh, when this pod is up, my friend. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure that you treated me right. Yeah, I think yeah. we did a little bit of this last year, and I believe I I believe they're all approved by you. I think uh, we did it last year, and the the one of the boat, the one of you out on the boat, it's not up right now, but that I love that picture of you. That's like relaxed summer cottage, Pierre. That's uh, that's the best time of year, right there. We'll have to wait another ten months. Actually, the, the the pictures aren't rotating through, so maybe I made a technical error, and we just have a. Yeah, all we have is your smiling face on the Sports Center set. So that, uh, that's it. Nice gray suit, blue tie. There you go. One of your staples. Uh, uh, you, uh, yes, I'm in New York City. In case our listeners are wondering. Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The the Board of Governor meetings happening out there. We're going to get to the breakdown here in a second, and we'll talk about everything we saw in the National Hockey League last night. And man, was it eventful! But uh, take us through what you expect here at the Board of Governors. What's happening? Yeah, so this isn't the big meeting. The big meeting's in December where they meet for two and a half days. This is a quick little update that they have at the start of each season. The owners literally fly in and out, most of them in the same day. But, uh, you know, I, I, I suspect that owners will be interested to hear more details of where the salary cap is headed the next few years, right? Uh, there'll be more, uh, you know, finances uh, updates that way in terms of league rebounding out of the pandemic. Uh, but a uh, number of items that the league tries to go through very quickly just to get the season going for presidents and governors and owners as they congregate here for about three and a half hours at a hotel in Manhattan. Any sense if the Toronto Maple Leafs will be bringing up video review <laughs> after last night? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know what? The thing is, I think that uh, it, that's not really what, I mean, you know, that's not really the lead, though. Yeah. You know? I mean, the lead, again, is, is Sheldon Keith, you know, making a comment about his elite players not being in rhythm. Yeah. You know, about six days after going after his team after the opening night loss in Montreal, which came a couple of weeks after losing his temper during practice at training camp. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, you know, things are boiling early in Toronto. Um, by the way, as they were a year ago, if you remember a year ago, they had a little – 
little little period in, in October oh, where yeah. a few losses were stringed together and everyone panicked in Toronto. So the regular season's always tense out there, man. <laughs> because nobody yeah. can nobody can hit the pressure release valve until playoff time. The pressure just builds sure. and builds every win while you're supposed to be a great team. Every loss, oh, it's happening again. And there's no way to release the pressure until you get to playoffs. And they haven't yeah. been able to do it. All right, listen, let's get to the breakdown brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. Hockey fans, the regular season's underway. And there's no better time to get yourself outfitted with your favorite jersey or sweater, whether it's your favorite player's name and number, or I guess if you want to throw your own name on there, why not? Pro Hockey Life has an awesome selection of team apparel, and it doesn't end at jerseys. There's also a wide range of hats, T-shirts, souvenirs, everything you need for yourself and for the huge hockey fan in your life. 16 locations across the country. Pro Hockey Life, like you, is obsessed with the game. All right. I was going to start with Bruce Boudreau and the Vancouver Canucks, but we got going mm-hmm. there on the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let's let's get back to that. Leafs are off to a 2-2 two and two start, a 4-2 loss to Arizona. I watched that entire game. Yes, the Maple Leafs had the puck on their stick a lot, but really not able to get a whole lot done because the Coyotes challenged them to get to the middle of the ice and they just didn't seem to be able to get there. After the game, Sheldon Keefe with this statement about his top-end guys. Our best people have not found the rhythm, so maybe really look at it. The difference between us and Arizona is that we have elite players. And our elite players didn't play like elite players today. Didn't couldn't make a difference. So, in that sense, the game is going to be close. It's just that's the way it goes when those guys don't make the difference that that they can. No untruth in there, but aggressive for this early in the season, Pierre. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty fascinating thing. We've not really seen Sheldon Keith be in this kind of mindset this consistently early in the season. And since he's been the least head coach. And let's remember, he replaced Mike Babcock and he came in as, as the younger coach that would have, you know, that, that, that better understanding, I guess, and relationship with his younger core players. Right. I mean, that was, that was part of it. And, and that has played out, frankly, I, I think that, that, um, you know, um, we have seen that understanding between Keith and, and his core guys, but, his frustration with them and with his team at times here earlier this year, I think is representative of what he is feeling himself in terms of what they have to finally deliver here this year. He's feeling it. Kyle Dubas is feeling it. Brendan Janahan is feeling it. You know, again, I, this bears repeating for people who don't follow the Leafs every day. This franchise has not been out of the first round since 2004, 19, uh, going on 19 years. And, and a lot of that predates them, of course which is why they had a massive tank job and rebuild and, and positioned themselves to get Austin Matthews in 2015. But, uh, you know, when you don't win and you don't deliver, um, you know, this is the season. Like, there has to be results this year or else I think it's inevitable that heads will roll. And, and there are a couple of reasons for that. Kyle Dubas' own contract, which he's talked about publicly, is up at the end of the year, and he wants to be judged on this year, uh, finally getting over the hump. Uh, Austin Matthews, at the end of the season, will be one year away from unrestricted free agency. It's decision time this offseason. I mean, the Leafs aren't, can't let this player walk into training camp next September on a pending UFA situation. They yeah. need to have him extended. So you could say what you want about, about 
you know, it's early and, and they're going to find their game, which I think is true. I mean, there's so much hockey to be played here and they'll be among the elite teams for the playoffs. But it, it, it's still representative of what we've seen so far of the pressure. Never mind what the media and the fans are saying in Toronto. This organization is feeling it internally. I, 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 I can tell that. Uh, conversations I've had. I mean, the pressure is on and it's on because they feel it themselves. And that's what we're seeing play out right now. For sure. And there's a lot of talk about the Dubas contract or lack thereof. And at the time it happened, there was a lot of talk about, oh, let the year play out. And, you know, it'll be what it'll be and we'll see. One thing I keep raising my hand, kind of quietly mentioning or asking about is, does it get to the end of the year? Like, if the Leafs aren't where they want to be at Christmas time, clearly mm-hmm. where they want to be at Christmas time, is there change before the trade deadline comes and goes? If the team is not positioned where it needs to be, does Dubas get another trade deadline to try and fix things? Is it for sure a guarantee that this goes all the way to the playoffs? And it is early. They're 2-2. Two and two. Their big guns aren't putting up the kind of numbers that propel them to the record we're used to them having. Um, but I'll just kind of add that little footnote. Does it get to the end of the year? Let's see what happens in Leafland. A goal and assist so far through four games. Uh, for Austin Matthews. Okay, Vancouver Canucks creating mm. a little NHL history. They become the first team in history to lose their three first games, blowing multi-goal leads in all three. Edmonton, 3 nothing, blew it. Philly, 2 nothing, blew it. Washington, 4-2 lead, blew it. Lost 6-4. to four. This is pretty stunning fashion in which the Canucks have started their season, prompting Bruce Boudreaux to come up with this gem. Uh, mentally weak would be uh, a good assessment, I think. Like, I mean, uh, instead of when you're on a roll, you're waiting for good things to happen. When you're in something like this, you're waiting for something bad to happen. I mean, it's- So he had a lot more to say about his team, but pretty strong indictment and tough words from, from the head coach here early on. Yeah, I remember this is a team that, uh, I don't know the exact date, I think it was early December last year because I was at a Board of Governors meeting, uh, you know, the Canucks uh, fired Travis Green, brought in Bruce Boudreau, right, brought in Jim Rutherford. There were some massive changes, uh, you know, not even midway through last season for this organization. Um, and, you know, I've always felt this, especially in the Canadian market, and, and let's just call it for what it is, the Vancouver Canucks market is very, very passionate and reacts <laughs> in, uh, in in certain ways to situations like this. Um, so was my four-year-old when he was four. Yeah. <laughs> I would call well, him similarly I mean, passionate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, you can have this type of three-game losing streak in December, and, and it doesn't generate the same kind of headlines reaction in your market but to start the year that year this way always is more dramatic um because fair or not uh the start to the season tends to send a message about your team and 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 you start to look into potential trends and, and you know why we're not prepared to start the year and what is this about and on top of that you have the backdrop of Kind of an awkward uh, resolution to bring it back, Bruce Boudreaux, to begin yeah. with in the, in the offseason. I mean, he had, the, he had the one plus one where the, the plus one after last year was a useful option where both the coach and the team, uh, you know, decide they want to act on the option. And it was, uh, it, it took a while 
And, you know, I think part of that, obviously, for Boudreau is that I, I think he probably wanted a, a new deal, an extension, which any coach would in that, in that position. Yeah. And I think the Canucks front office is like, well, let's just wait and see this year, which, again, I can see from their perspective. And so I think it's important to highlight that background to the start of this year because uh, it, it was a bit unusual the way it played out. So what do you think is real when it comes to Bruce Boudreaux? Because I don't believe that the Canucks decide to retain him, go through an entire summer with him at the helm, training camp, get into the regular season, and three games in be sitting there realistically thinking about making change uh, this early on. But it can't last forever as well. So what do you think is real in terms of a timeline where that becomes a thing in Vancouver? yeah, I think it's too early for that, but um, let's see whether this snowballs or not. You know, I mean, uh, it, it's absolutely too early in my mind. Yeah. But um, sometimes teams don't recover from a brutal start. And, you know, I don't know how high the expectations were for this team, to be honest. I mean, I guess when they extended JT Miller, it signified, obviously, that they weren't going in for a a longer retool. A little more about the here and now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it lifted things a bit. But, you know, I still think I see holes on this. I know that this is still a new front office that has a lot of ideas about the way they want to keep, you know, pecking away at this roster. So there is a longer-term feel that way with with the front office when you talk to them. But, again... Um, you know, people, we often get asked, you know, why isn't the same team on the cup since the halves of 93? Yeah. There is nothing like these types of situations in Canadian markets. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's a gong show already to some degree in Toronto and it certainly is in Vancouver. And, uh, I, I would say Jack Campbell better have a couple of good games here at some point for the Oilers in your market. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it, 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 it is what it is. It's, it's people react. Uh, at a higher death spell in these markets and uh, you know Although, it, it, it's hard to ignore if you're a player or your manager Lindy Ruff must feel like he's coaching in Edmonton, Toronto or Winnipeg right now too though the fans yeah. all over him already so we talk about Boudreaux and it feeling early uh, the fire Lindy chants were happening a couple games into the season for them so it, uh, coaches man it's Imagine being in the first five games of your season and already sweating it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, and, and, and listen, I, I think that people also understand, Ryan, and I think you'll agree to this, like, you don't get to ease your way into a season because the reality is the yeah. points that are attainable in October are the same as the points that are attainable in late March when you're scrambling. The league is so close that you, you don't get just to throw away a month and say, we'll find her a game later because that could bury you. That's yeah. the reality. And, and, it, and it happened for a couple of teams last year. Last, so that, that's, why, that's why there is urgency. Lastly on the Vancouver Canucks, here's uh, Bo Horvat. I keep saying we got to learn from it, but enough's enough. I mean, this is three games in a row now that we've had leads and, and outplayed teams. And, and it's just unacceptable by us. It's unacceptable by myself, my leadership. My, obviously, my, I hold myself accountable. I got to be better. And I believe the Vancouver Canucks are in Columbus. Yes, they are uh, set to go against the Columbus Blue Jackets, so they get right back on the horse quickly. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, not a bad start. Two and two, mm-hmm. three-two overtime win last night. And Kirby Doc uh, off to a nice, tidy little start there. Your early impressions of Montreal, uh, Pierre? 
Well, Ryan, this is going back to what I talked about expectations in the Canadian market. The Leafs are two and two. The Habs are two and two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's a completely different world in both those original six Canadian markets as far as perception and reaction and feeling this morning. Uh, because there are no expectations in Montreal, at least not right now. They better not do too much winning this month because things may change in that market. But the, the, the fan base has been psychologically readied for some tough nights, for a longer-term vision, for supporting their young core and and enjoying what they see on some nights. And they enjoyed it last night. Come back winning against the Penguins. And in particular, some reclamation projects leading the way. I mean, Sean Monaghan, we'll see what happens there with him. But he's either, either becomes a prime rental player for the Habs, which I think is probably the likeliest scenario. But who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe the two sides want to extend this marriage. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think the rental side of it is probably more likely. Well, and the and thing to keep in mind in, with him is they already brought a first-round pick in in that trade. Great, so they've already got crazy. assets through the door with them. Yeah, free player. Uh, everything's a bonus if he does something positive, right? Yeah. And, uh, and obviously, Kirby Doc, that is a longer-term upside play that the Habs were banking on when they made that trade. I mean, let's not forget that, um, you know, three-way trade that ends up with Romanoff on the Islanders and, and surprised a lot of people. We were in the draft and all this happened. And um, But Kirby Doc struggled last year, but Kent Hughes and Jeff Borden seeing uh, the value in, in trying to bring back his young career. And, and he looks great so far. Let's just call it for what it is. It, it, he looks like a young player that needed a first start, and that's what he's getting. Marty St. Louis getting a lot out of his group. You think about the combined experience between him and the general manager, <laughs> the plan from Jeff Gorton to bring in guys. Um, so far, so good. Uh, the way it was put to me by uh, the quiz master this morning is that um, it's too early to say it's a complete success, but it certainly hasn't been a failure. And uh, those are good positive steps here for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, before we get to Kevin Adams and, and uh, absolutely loved our interview that we did with Kevin Adams, uh, mm -hmm. such an upbeat guy and uh, well thought, uh, but you're in New York. You saw the Rangers last night. They were my Stanley cup pick. Uh, boy, are they ever looking like something? Tell you what, they might look, might make you look smart, and that's something. That is um, something, you know. I, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, no, they, I mean, listen, Thanks, it, it's early. I know, I was just kidding. Sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> no, they look, they look. I mean, the game actually got a little sloppy, and and then uh, Jorah Gallant would have wanted things a little tighter at the end. But boy, they come at you in waves, and, and it's interesting. The kids were split up last night. Taco in one line, and Lafreniere in another, with both in top six roles, and. Boy, if those two kids take a step with with what they already have, with the manager and, and, and Panarin and Chris Kreider, holy jumping. I mean, this team, you know, because at times, let's just call it for what it is. The first half of last year, they really relied on Chesterkin to build a mountain on the ice. But uh, this program is really coming along under Gerard Gallant. And boy, oh boy. I mean, I know I'm really putting the cart ahead of the horse, but since I wrote about Patrick Kane and the athletic yesterday, I, there's no question to me that if you're going to put a front runner team on it now, even though there have not been any trade talks yet, I mean, can you imagine? Gonna wait. It, it's the Rangers, yeah. Uh, and you know, they, don't forget they got a couple of first round picks, and Patrick Kane has to be comfortable if he decides to move where he wants to move. Well, what's not what's not to like about MSG is his old pal Panarin from Chicago. You know, from when Panarin was in Chicago, I and mean, oh my goodness, it's, yeah. Uh, 
that would be a scary thought. If but uh, lots to play out before then, and and lots of teams are going to try and get in that uh, sweepstakes. That's for sure. Spectacular goaltending, sneaky, excellent blue line. Our Temi Panarin's got ten points in four games. Mika Zibanejad has four goals in four games. All kinds of youth, room to maneuver. The Rangers are dangerous. All right, that was the breakdown brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. Time now to get to our Who's Got Your Back segment, our interview segment. And that's brought to you by Liberty Smart Security, a company that specializes in having your back. High-quality, advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. Liberty Smart Security uses leading-edge technology to protect the things that you value most in life. Your home is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security. Visit libertysecurity.ca. So I am here in Edmonton where the Oilers are going to take on the Buffalo Sabres tonight. Pierre Kevin Adams, uh, Buffalo Sabres. It's been an interesting run as general manager for him. We talked to him about a lot of different things, the Eichel trade, uh, placing bets on young players. What stood out for you in the interview? I think what stood out for me is that uh, this is a young GM that's had to stick to his philosophy and stick to his guns or else, or else things were going to get ugly on him. I mean, the Eichel deal was very difficult to pull off and it took a lot of self-confidence to navigate. Um, there were a lot of people doubting how that thing was going to end up and he delivered. I mean, that, that, that looked certainly on like a pretty good trade for the Buffalo Sabres. And I think that trade has given Kevin Adams, um, really some momentum in terms of where he's heading as an executive. That, that would be my thought. Yeah, for sure. My favorite part of the interview was us being able to clunk him over the head with Mike Johnson's frustration from a couple <laughs> of decades ago. So, uh, you'll have to hang into the end of the interview to hear that, uh, so, this is Who's Got Your Back, presented by Liberty Smart Security, Sabres General Manager, Kevin Adams. All right, pleased to be joined by the 2006 Stanley Cup champion. Now, uh, General Manager, yeah, you smile, you smile, you like the sounds of that still. Years later, it still sounds good, eh, Kevin? Definitely. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was listening to, I was reading a story, um, I didn't realize it at the time, and, and both Pierre and I were there, we were in the building, uh, did you raise the Stanley Cup with a busted wrist? Was, did I read that right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I think it was uh, my second shift on a PK in Game 7 there. And actually, I was a little out of position, so it was desperation to get to block the shot. A Chris Pronger slap shot, he hit me right on the wrist and just exploded my wrist. So it, uh, I, 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 in between the first and second, got a few uh, shots in there to numb it up. And I started the second period and still wasn't enough numb and it was in so much pain. So they, they put more in there and uh, then I was fine. And about six or seven the next morning, um, oh. I started remembered that I actually had a shattered wrist. So it uh, was well worth it. That's for sure. That had to be, I mean, a Chris Pronger slapper and you kept playing through the game. Do you recall the feeling when you, when you raised the Stanley cup with the busted wrist or were you just adrenaline or Yeah, I mean, so much adrenaline and just such a, to be honest, I wasn't even thinking about it anymore because you just, the way that series was and the emotion of it, and now we're in game seven, and then, you know, that happened. And actually, I'll give you one funny story about that. And Peter Laviolette, I'm sure, remembers this. In between the first and second, I said, hey, Lavi, just be careful with me because I broke my wrist. It's going to be tough. You know, part of my role as a face-off guy, and he's like, shut up and get out. You're going to take face-offs if I tell you to take face-offs. And, uh, 
you know, laughed about it after <laughs> maybe used a couple other words too in there, but you know, I was like, I'm good. I'm just trying to tell you, maybe be careful in the face off circle, you know, but, uh, it was such a, everybody was playing banged up as every year that happens when you're that far into the playoffs. And so that was just, uh, it was a challenge, but, um, no, no, uh, when you, you're not feeling too much pain, when you get to raise the cup, top hand sure. or top hand or bottom hand, did you, did my you bottom take draws hand. and you took yeah, draws? My right, yeah. My right wrist you know, oh. kind of through as a righty. So, um, and I exactly, I wasn't exactly lighting it up offensively, so I needed to win face-offs to have some value. Out there. <laughs> I wasn't going to say, but Pierre, I don't know if you looked at the stats. I looked at the stats and I mean, we all know the role you played, Kevin. So believe me, this is not a chirp, but you were 24 <laughs> or 25 playoff games and, and zeros across the board, but valuable minutes, right? Valuable. Well, minutes. it's funny about that year is I actually, I had my highest total of goals during the, I think I scored, I don't know. I think I had 15 goals that year in the regular season. And I, you know, wasn't playing on the power play and actually in the playoffs so many chances and hit posts and then and you know and just missed chances whatever i was like you know what kill penalties win faceoffs block shots if i get what i get one but find a way to help the team win hockey Hoist the cup and, uh, that's the deal so yeah. well i'll tell you what kevin uh, ryan and i were also in the building uh last june when joe sackett got to hoist the cup in a suit as a gm after having won one won a couple as a player so maybe you'll follow in his footsteps in terms of the next time that you lift that trophy. And, um, you know, and, and listen, for Joe Sackick, that was a a long journey in terms of building that team. And, uh, you know, you're you're still in your early steps of building the Sabres team. I know I could sense a lot of excitement in your market this year, Kevin, in terms of next steps. And what does next step look for in your eyes for this team right now? Well, I, I think, you know, from the way our team played last season, we took, we certainly took steps in terms of um, maturity and players taking responsibility for um, the locker room and the culture. And we took big strides as the year went on. And, you know, that's why we stayed quiet, the trade deadline, to be honest. And, you know, we weren't in a playoff race at that point, but I wanted to make sure that we gave our, our players in that locker room every opportunity to have success, to feel, um, you know, the go into some bigger games that we were going to have and and have a chance to you know play our best hockey which we did and so as we went into the off season um you know the thought around the fan base and around town was they're starting to like in terms of the energy that they're seeing every night and they're connecting with the team one of the things i've said all along is we want people that want to be here we want people that truly believe in what we're building that are just dying to put a buffalo saber sweater on and then you'll feel that connection with the fan base and that's what's starting to grow and build here um and you know now in the next step for us is is as you've seen is you know making sure that we identify kind of the core that we're moving forward with start to um you know build that out over time and get in the players that we can be here for a long time under contract and um now it's just keep pushing to get better every day you made Alex Tuck the center of, well, pretty much the biggest trade that you've had to make, and, and maybe we'll revisit that trade in a minute. But, but first and foremost, just to your point about wanting guys that want to be there. So Alex Tuck seems as excited as, as anybody to be a Buffalo Sabre, uh, connecting with the community, connecting with the Bills, the football club. You see him and Josh Allen, as the, they've got the, the jersey swap going between the two of them. My understanding was when Tuck first got to town, the first thing he did was go and meet the front office staff and want to meet everybody. When you made that trade, how much was it about Alex Tuck, the hockey player, and how much of it was about Alex Tuck, the guy that was passionate about being in that area and that person in particular to inject into your organization. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I'll start with the hockey player. We, we felt that he is exactly or was exactly the type of on ice player we needed, which was big and fast. And, you know, he's a guy that's still in the prime of his career and has term on a contract. Um, and also for me watching Alex play really closely, I felt that this was potentially someone that could take another step, could continue to get better. And even, you know, with more ice time and opportunity may even be able to elevate into a higher end elite player in the league. And that's, um, you know, something we truly believe. Now you, you look at the other side, which was, we did feel very confident that he was going to buy into being a Buffalo Sabre. And um, with his, you know, growing up in central New York and him being a big Sabre fan as a kid, you know, there was certain, certainly some comfort in that, but you know, um, you don't, aren't certainly able to talk to players before you make trades. So, you know, you're, you're hoping in some sense, but I, I did have a little bit of a previous knowledge of the family. Um, Luke Tuck, his younger brother played for the junior saber program and, you know, knew a lot of people in Buffalo. So I had met his parents years and years ago, knew they were character people and just a good family. So putting all that together, you know, when we were able to make the trade, he was obviously the centerpiece and a key part of that. Um, but we felt comfortable that he was going to embrace it and really be uh, excited to be a Sabre. Yeah, we're coming up in almost a year next month. Uh, time flies, uh, Kevin, that you made that blockbuster. And, uh, you know, you know, you're a young GM and, uh, and you're put in a tough situation, obviously, with a player wanting out uh, can you look back now, 11 plus months later, and share the pressure and the emotion, or perhaps trying to shield the emotion away from from the machinations of that trade as as you finally get that done? Well, it was a uh, it was a challenging time for sure, and and I think what I tried to be really um, disciplined with was not getting emotional and making sure that. I, I stayed the course in terms of the return we needed that we did not, we were not going to do something until we felt it was the right thing for the Buffalo Sabres. And I know that people were, you know, there's a lot of talk going on and a lot of pressure was building and stress. And, you know, certainly I had some sleepless nights for sure, but I just felt that this was too big of a, you know, critical decision in our organization um, to not be a hundred percent comfortable to, to do the deal we felt was right. So, um, that's why it took so long, but it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, I, you know, tried to really um, look at this from our franchise to say, what do we need out of this type of deal that is going to put us in a better place? And, you know, this isn't an easy type of deal, as you guys know, with the type of player Jack mm -hmm. is, but also everything else that was going on. And then you had salaries. I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts. So that's, it was complicated. I learned a lot. Um, it was, wasn't easy, but I think um, we were really excited about how it ended up for us. I wanted to ask you about the concept of placing bets as a general manager. If you want to get ahead of the cap game, sometimes you got to place bets early on in a player's career so that you find value down the road. You've placed two big bets this year. Um, you know, and I think you, you, you pick players that I know you believe a lot in, but you know, in Thompson, you got a forward who had pretty unreal year last year, you know, put together a 38 goal season, seven years at 50 million. Matias Samuelson, seven years, at 30 million after 54 games played. People raised an eyebrow with that one, I think maybe more, more so even than the Thompson one. But as a general manager, Kevin, how do you find, what tips it for you on whether or not to place that type of a bet on one of your players? 
Well, I think it's, it's uh, first of all, you don't make these decisions in a vacuum. You know, you don't just come in and I just say, this is what I want to do. You're taking every single um, bit of information that you have um, and you're looking at it and you're weighing it. Okay, what makes sense for us in the short term? What makes sense for us, you know, ultimately in the long term, if you're doing this length of a deal, you're leaning on the people around you, which is, you know, Jason Carmanos and Mark Jakubowski from the management team. You have Sam Ventura, who runs our analytics department, Jeremiah Crow, um, pro scouting, and you're just having these conversations day after day after day. Obviously, Donnie Granado and his staff weighing in on what they see out of the player and how they see them being utilized moving forward. So you take all that information in. And then I do really believe, I'm a firm believer in this, Ryan, that you, the you know most about your own players. You just you know what they're like as people. You know what they're like in the locker room every day. You've you've had enough um, body of work that you, gives you comfort to say this is this person is going to help us win, and that's why we did. And we we're forecasting out, and we're looking. You know, Tage is six foot seven. Um, number played number one center role last year. We we think he has the the ability to keep getting better. Work ethic is there. He wants to be here. Uh, you look at some of the other contracts signed, um, you know, the, the number was going to be pretty big if he continued to move um, along in his career. So that's that's why we got ahead of that one. And we we were excited about that. And with Samuelson, you know, I get it. People could say, you know, hey, this is 50 some games of, of experience. Um, but what we're looking at is a six foot four, 232 pound athlete that um, is, is a worker that is playing in our top you know, four, he's 20 to 24 minutes a night at 22 years old. And we think he's, these are the prime years guys, a little bit in the league of your, your, as your words, you're making an investment or a bet into what you believe um, moving forward, rather than for me looking at it, like, I don't necessarily want to get caught paying down the road for what people have done their whole career. Um, and maybe you've lost their best years. Let's get ahead of it and look to invest in their in their prime years, and then we'll um, try to keep the core together. Well, you also extended your head coach, uh, Don Granada, last week, uh, Kevin, and and he had uh, term left on his deal. I think this year and next, and and you tacked on to that, which I, I thought was interesting because I think that sends a message too, does it not? In terms of the, well, you tell me, but it to me it tells me that you want to you know, sort of firm up the stability that you feel you have there uh, with Don and, and, you know, and it sends a message to him that the faith you have in him. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the continuity and stability, I think is critical in this organization. Um, when I was fortunate enough to have my contract extended, one of the, one of the things I talked to Terry Pagula about was, you know, getting ahead of this with, with Donnie Granado and making sure that, um, he realized, Donnie realized how important and critical he is. And we're in this together. And, um, you know, we work really well together. We challenge each other. We push each other. We trust each other. Um, and I just think that that's why I wanted to make sure that once once my situation um, was being talked about, that let's let's get Donnie in the same uh, and do the same thing. So um, that's why we made the decision. And I and I think Part of it, too, is a message to our players and the organization that there has been, we understand there's been turnover and, and change, you know, in the past. Mm -hmm. You have to learn from the past, mm -hmm. but you can't live in the past, you know, and let's let's move forward together and, and build this um, structure and continuity um, and give our players that feeling that, okay, there's, there's real um, alignment here across the board. 
So, so much put into the youth in your lineup. You, you've got guys playing high up in your lineup that don't have a lot of experience. You put some veteran players around them to insulate them, and nowhere is that more true than on your blue line. Rasmus Dahlin is working his way, um, you know, certainly making big strides. Owen Power, some games for you last year. He's already stepped in, played over 20 minutes uh, the last couple of games here. What kind of strides do you think Power is going to be able to make in this, his first full season in the NHL? Well, I think you'll you'll see big big strides, and the reason I say that is because he is a player that is extremely self aware. Uh, he understands very quickly what I did right, what I did wrong. I used to talk to him after games last year in Michigan, and he would come out in his sweat still and say, "I didn't like what I did on this shift." I mean, he's just very rare in terms of a young player that has self awareness, um, and and I think when you have that, that allows you to learn from situations. He's he is learning so much every day. You can just see it in practice and in games is 19 years old and trying to um, just take it all in. And, you know, every situation um, it's like, it's just information for him to, to grow. So, you know, and that's what we're talking about. You look, you look at Darlene, you look at power, you look at Samuels, you look at Bucky Hart. These are four really young players um, and they're playing key roles and big minutes for us. And I'm okay with that. That's it's a young league right now. And I know that we're going against more experienced lineups and there's going to be times where, you know, we are a little bit, um, you know, young in terms of experience, but I do think that it will pay off um, with these guys. Cause they're all, they're all learners. They want to get better and they, they, they take mistakes the right way. Donnie coaches mistakes the right way. Donnie doesn't say, Hey, that's it. You're done for the period. He says, Hey, you need to be better. Here's why. And, you know, and let them, let them fix it. And I think there's something to that about a young player, just having confidence to be able to go out and play the way they need to play to have success. Well, Kevin, I know you're, I know you're probably going to shut me down, but if I didn't try, I wouldn't be able to sleep tonight. So <laughs> I, I'm just going to end things on my end with this, which is that there's a, there's a veteran star player with ties to Buffalo, New York, that uh, that might get dealt at the deadline and, and he's USA July 1st. And, and when I wrote about him in the athletic uh, on Monday, I noticed a lot of the comments from some Sabres fans who were wishing upon a star. Uh, so I'll just leave you with that. Now, you, you notice I didn't name him by name because I don't want you to get in trouble with the league. But uh, <laughs> but but I'll just drop you with that scenario and see how you come at me here. Well, I I, I appreciate it because you know the the rules, and I certainly don't can't or don't talk about <laughs> other teams' players. But what what I can say is we're we're growing this team in organization with uh, the right way in my mind, which is to draft players, develop players, and then retain the players that you believe are going to help you win. We also know that we have to add to our lineup and, you know, at the right time at the right place, if it makes sense, we're going to look at everything. So um, I wouldn't uh, rule anything out and what we're going to do moving forward. High skill, top line uh, winger, uh, potentially the goal scoring, <laughs> puck distributing variety. You can see that being a fit moving forward at some point. Not naming any names, just that type of guy. Air quotes, hey, that type. You guys are the, sounds like you guys are the scouts. So uh, I don't know. Let's see how it goes. Uh, I know you love it when we, when we dive into that end of the pool with you. Um, so listen, Kevin, the, the name of the podcast is Got Your Back. Pierre and I, uh, we always ask people when we have them on, if there's a time in their life that stands out where somebody came through for them, somebody had their back, big, small, funny, goofy, whatever. Um, we've really enjoyed hearing other folks' stories. Uh, what sticks out in your mind when I put that question to you? Who had Kevin Adams back? 
Well, I think that's a give you a long answer to be honest with you, because I've had a lot of challenges, you know, in my life in terms of um, my hockey career. And it wasn't never it wasn't just easier, a straight line, you know, up even, you know, challenges to ended up, you know, through the minors and trades once I got to the NHL and all those type of things. And I always I've had very, very close group of family um, and friends and, you know, my wife and kids and in family around me that has really helped me and always had my back. But I guess from the hockey, you know, answer, one name I'll give you is um, Chris Bergeron. He is uh, the head coach of Miami University, Miami, Ohio, which is my alma mater. And 1992 was my freshman year and I was 17 years old and overwhelmed. And, you know, I was, does, wasn't even shaving. And, you know, I, I took a big jump and he was the senior captain um, and so this is 30 years ago, this is 1992. And, you know, he really looked out for me, took me under my wing and, and helped me kind of navigate that first time in my life of being away from home and being overwhelmed and, and looked out for me. And 30 years later, he's still someone that, um, I respect and look up to and, you know, appreciate what he's done for me in my life, whether it's, you know, in this job now or in the years past, just, you know, getting together for beer and just talking and, and um, he's doing great things. He's going to build that program back up to what everybody hopes um, is an elite program. I have no doubt about that, but I guess that's just someone that comes to mind right away for me. That's always had my back and always helped me um, just be a better person. Love it. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, no well, you know, who's back. You didn't have one time and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of suing you here, bud. <laughs> oh, so I told Mike Johnson, uh, who's going to be on the podcast this week. I told Mike Johnson, we were interviewing you. He goes, Oh yeah, Kevin, my old buddy. Yeah. I took a playoff goal away from me one year. It was his fault. Oh, <laughs> I had my toe in the crease. <laughs> <laughs> so you do remember, he was well, wondering if you would remember, tell us the story from your head. Well, well, not only do I remember, but I'll even make, but he probably doesn't remember this part. So I get, you know, I'm in the lineup. It's the second round. We're playing the the Penguins. And I, that was the awful year of my, you know, guys toe in the crease had nothing to do with anything. And, and uh, goals were coming back. So I definitely cost him and the team a goal in the playoffs. But what I most remember is Matthew Barnaby skating by our bench and just carving me going, Adam's just <laughs> ruined it for you, Johnny. Like just, you know, carving me. And it just killing me about it. And I just remember thinking like, you know, I'm just trying to like survive in the league and make yeah. an impression. And, you know, so that was a tough one for sure. I was looking at your, uh, <laughs> I was looking at your stats that year. So it looks, it looks like you played the entire season in the American hockey league. You got 80 games in the AHL, one regular season game, but then you came in and played seven playoff games. Yes. I think Johnny had said you had just come into the lineup and took a goal from him. So yeah. just so you know, he's still a little sour at you. Yeah. Well, tell him it must've hurt his, must've hurt his contract negotiations or something for him to be still sour this many years later. Johnny, he'll never, never forgets a good grudge. Uh, Kevin, thank uh, you so it. much for your time. We really appreciate it and best of luck the rest of the way. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. And once again, our thanks to Sabres general manager, Kevin Adams. Should be a fun game tonight between the Oilers and the Buffalo Sabres. That'll wrap it for the podcast, folks. Big thanks to our sponsors, of course, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Pro Hockey Life, and Liberty Smart Security. We're going to drop another podcast on Wednesday morning. Mike Johnson is going to check in. Our first chance to chat with him here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog. Pierre will be back breaking down uh, any news that there was from the NHL Board of Governor meetings. Thanks for your download. 
downloads and your subscriptions. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you real soon. Cheers, folks. <laughs>